What's up, everyone? Thank you for joining me for episode three of the What Then podcast. My husband, Will, joins me today for this episode. He's the only one that I've met that's been able to answer these types of questions for me in several different ways that are just easier to understand. He has been a rock star at teaching apologetics to teenagers for a while, so I thought it'd be good for us to just have this discussion with each other and try to simplify it in several different ways together. I do want to give some trigger warnings and also a heads up to any parents listening with little ones around just for a few things we mentioned that may be a little too mature for them right now. I do want to say also that I know these struggles are very real and very hard and there are different approaches to different situations and I almost didn't do this at all because I didn't want to in any way come off as lacking compassion for these specific things but we decided and prayed through it that we still ought to just have a short discussion on these things because we know that these are questions that a lot of people have. With that being said, if you have questions related to this topic, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. I may not be able to answer your question perfectly, but I can pray. Um, and I may be able to point you to someone who can. I'd also make sure that you are talking to someone about these questions instead of bottling them up, but I would make sure that that is someone that you know as a believer in the Lord and that they are grounded in scripture and walking with the Lord themselves. It is good to wrestle through, so that's what we're going to do today. So here we go. All right, well, we'll get into it. Today, we're going to be talking about a tough topic, but as I said with the previous two episodes, we are not experts. Um, and this topic in particular is a very broad topic. It can be tackled from several different perspectives, actually lots of different perspectives. And it, sometimes our answers might depend on who we're talking to. Will always likes to make that point when we're talking about this. Our answers might depend on where somebody's coming from with this type of question, but they're questions that most people face when they're pondering whether or not God exists, when they're in the midst of suffering, when they're angry, and when they're confused. And it's not a bad question to ask. It's something that should actually strengthen our faith if we truly desire to know the answer. What I have found in looking this question up myself looking for answers. If we're being honest, a lot of times we have questions about God that we look for outside of scripture. Resources are good things. And so I have found that in my looking for this answer a lot of times or trying to hear people's perspectives on it, I can't seem to find anybody who can break it down on like a simple level. So when I try to look it up, I get all of these philosophical people giving answers through their books, or there are people out there doing podcasts on this. There's so many people doing podcasts on this because it's a huge question. There are sermons out there on this topic. And so what I have found though, is that there are not any resources out there that can be for the average person. They're very, very like philosophical. They're very like too smart for me. And so what I like to do, and one of the purposes of this podcast is that we want people to be able to walk away with a little, at least a little something that they can cling to that is practical for them um, and that doesn't go over their heads. And so this is a big question and we have one hour and we are not God. We are not claiming to be experts. Um, so we're going to just try to come at this from a few simple angles. With that said, we're not going to be able to answer this question to the fullest extent for a lot of people, you're going to have to read your Bible for yourself. 
you're gonna have to do your own research. But I do pray that people are able to walk away with a little something to cling to, whether it's something simple or whatever. And Will does tend to get a little over my head sometimes and I have to be like, simplify, 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 because the simplest answers are enough for me. And so that's what I relate to. And so that's what I wanna do for people. But I do understand that this question is very complex and that's probably why there aren't a ton of resources out there that are simple because it's not a simple question. It's actually a very complex question with a lot of different perspectives that you can come from. And I appreciate the resources out there and they are somewhat helpful, but at the same time, it is a little challenging when you don't really think philosophically or you don't really relate to that side of things or you haven't been studying your Bible since you were four. <laughs> so, Yeah, it's a tough question. And I think that this is a question that every human on the planet struggles with is why does God allow suffering, right? If he's all good and all loving, like why? And so um, I think like exactly like you said, some people come at it from a very intellectual, like I want these like these deep philosophical points. And um, that's not exactly the way that we're going to be answering it today. We're going to be looking more at the heart and just what are simple, practical things that we can take away from it? So first, God is all loving, right? We know that as believers, he's all loving, he's powerful, he's all knowing. Can you think of a scripture for that? Well, I think Psalm 139 is great. And it's the psalmist is just writing and just talking about, hey, before I was ever born, like you knew me, um, you know, my thoughts, where can I go? to get away from you nowhere, right? It's this God that knows everything and sees everything. And so um, that's one passage I think of right off the bat. Okay. And honestly, that's a picture of all of scripture. We know that God is all loving and all powerful and um, all knowing, but we're challenged a lot of times when we, like we know those things, but people still get cancer. Innocent people still get raped. Tragedy is still left and right. There's mass shootings happening, tons of things that make that, make those statements a little bit harder to believe and they kind of put those statements to the test like yeah god's all loving but we still see all of this brokenness so what then how do we how can we see the brokenness of the world and believe the scriptures that make such big claims about god so i think whatever belief system that you're coming from you're going to have to answer the question of why is there suffering and why is there evil um but i think for us, I think the most helpful answer is go right back to the beginning of the Bible. Let's look at the beginning of the story and the first three chapters of Genesis um, are going to really help unpack this answer and help us really for the rest of the discussion on this. And so we live in this world that is this really weird mix because we have this beautiful nature that we can go out and look at the stars and the sky and the ocean and the mountains. But then we also have natural disasters, right? And we see people doing such kind things and loving one another, but then we also see people doing the most heinous crimes. And so it's this balance of beauty and brokenness, this balance of good and evil. And so we're looking at this and we're trying to figure out why. And so I think the Christian worldview or like scripture is the only really solid answer for this that I've ever heard. And so you go back to the beginning and you look at it. Okay, why would this good loving God create evil? Well, he didn't create this world broken, right? If we look in Genesis 1 and 2, like God made this world perfect, right? And it's beautiful in this perfect relationship with God and mankind and Adam and Eve are there and everything's great. And God is their fulfillment. And there's this love relationship between 
humanity and the God that created them. And it's beautiful, right? But in creating um, a relationship where the possibility of love is there, there also has to be the possibility to not love, right? As God gives us the ability to love him, he gives us the ability to reject him. As he gives us the ability to obey him, he also gives us the ability to rebel against him. And so Adam and Eve choose to rebel. And I think the reason why is pretty simple. They just really wanted to be their own gods. And it's the same struggle that every human's ever had is we want to do our own thing and be our own God. And so in that moment, the the world in a sense is broken, right? Brokenness enters the world. Um, we see these beautiful roses that we can hold in our hand, but a beautiful rose still has thorns, right? And so everything in that moment is like tainted with sin. And so sin brings corruption and sin brings death. And so uh, I would look at it as God did not make the world broken, but in love, he allowed it to be broken, right? Because he's given us free will and he's given us a choice and there's consequences to choices. And so I think that's why now we live in a world that is still so beautiful, but also so broken. And we see the effects of that. Yeah. And I think that a good point that you make all the time it sticks with me is that God didn't make us like robots. Like he gave us a choice to love him and choose him or to love this world and to choose this world. And ultimately at some point, all of us have done that. And so um, to sum up like that big spiel there, it's (laughs) just simply put is that it's not like the brokenness that we see is not God's fault. Yeah. But ultimately it's just, the brokenness that we're experiencing and seeing, it's just a result of the fall. It's just yeah. a result of sin entering the the world. And God didn't intend for it to be that way. He intended yeah. for us to dwell with him in this beautiful creation that he made. But because of our choice to sin, because sin does exist, because he gave us a choice to sin or to not sin, we see the the result of that the result of sin it always comes to death and so we see like what it leads to every time and so that's why we're experiencing such hardship and we've all done it at some point like we like to look at everybody else and say well that's the reason for it all but at some point we're all guilty of it and we've all fallen short of the glory of god and so i think that it's a lot easier to cast the blame on everybody else and a lot easier to cast the blame on the Lord. But if we examine our own hearts and our own lives, like we're guilty of the evil ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I think back to, uh, I think it's a Bible project video that we used to watch in class and it's just kind of coming from one guy's perspective of God, why don't you just get rid of all the evil in the world? Right. And then the guy kind of looks back and he sees, Oh wait, the same evil that I see out there, I see in me. Right. And so if God's going to eliminate all the evil right now, he's going to get rid of me. And so um, I think one thing just right off the bat that I see, okay, we see brokenness. But then also in Genesis three, right after Adam and Eve sin, we see hope enter in just right away as God says, look, you have sinned, but one day I'm going to send a savior. And that savior is going to pay the price. And one day even past that, I'm going to do away with the evil. And so he hasn't done that yet. Um, but one day he will. And so that's just a hope that we can keep in mind as we walk through this question. Okay. So another thing that we know about God is that he cares. He's compassionate. He's a loving God. And he doesn't just leave us to just suffer and just 
take his hands off of everything and just tell us to figure everything out or just to deal with it. We know that God is compassionate and kind and loving. But in spite of that, like, why do we still, if he's compassionate and loving, why does he let people get cancer? Why does he let people suffer? Why does he let children die? Why does he let innocent families get hit by drunk drivers and car crashes and them be the ones to suffer and not the one who was drunk driving? Like, why does he allow that if he's got compassion for us? Yeah. Um, he looks at his disciples in John 16, and he looks them in the eyes, and they're about to walk through something very difficult. And he says, listen, in this world, you're going to have hardship. And he tells them that straight up. But he says, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And I think it's beautiful because we have so many promises from the Lord that, yes, it's going to be difficult. Yes, you're going to walk through hard things. Yes, this world is going to be broken until one day I restore it. But even in the brokenness, I promise to be with you. And I think something that comforts me so much is God in his sovereignty and in his holiness, he could have come up with any kind of salvation project that he wanted, right? Um, But instead of any other option that he chose, he chooses to send his son down to this dirty, broken earth to walk in the dirt and get splinters and scrape his knee and be hurt by people and lose loved ones and be abandoned and left by himself right and to suffer and to do all of those things so that now when we look at him we cry out and we're like god you you can't even relate to what i'm going through he says no i can right and so being fully man jesus could relate to us being fully god he can save us and so i just think just the whole story i think sometimes we do wrestle with the question god do you even care right do you love me? And I think just if you are listening to this and you're struggling with that, um, I would just encourage you to go back to the cross and just remember that he does care. And in Romans, it says that if, if he would not withhold his best gift, which is his son, then he's going to give you everything else you need, not everything you want, right? And sometimes he answers in ways that, that don't make sense in the moment. But I think understanding that he is good and he does know everything helps us It doesn't make it easy, but it makes going through it possible. Yeah. And I I just think of, I think it's a psalm that says he's near to the brokenhearted. And in the moment of just experiencing suffering, just personally, it's hard to believe that that's true or to feel like that's true. But we know that scripture is true. And so we have to cling to what we know and not to what we feel. Yes, And we also have to remember that he didn't just smile and say, everything happens for a reason and just leave us to deal with it by ourselves. Like he experienced that immense suffering himself. But yeah, there's no easy answer to that one. But just for anybody who's experienced something like that, how would you maybe answer that for them? How would you just comfort them and encourage them with how we know that God cares? Yeah. Um, I think just through his word and through I mean, there's evidence that Jesus really lived and there's evidence that he really died and there's evidence he rose from the dead. In other words, there's evidence that his word is true. And if his word is true, then what it says in there is true and the promises that he makes are true. And so when he says, I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you and I'll be your comfort and I'll be your refuge and I'll be your strength. Those are things that we often can only learn in struggle right? And in trial. And um, I was just thinking earlier today and came across um, a quote that Charles Spurgeon, an old preacher wrote. And he says this, he says, I've learned to kiss the wave that slams me into the rock of ages. 
right? That's not something that right when you face the first trial that, that we learn. It's over time as we keep experiencing these waves. And some, some of you listening right now, you feel like, man, you feel like I've been hit by wave after wave after wave. And so this guy right here, it would make, if I'm, if I'm going through all those trials, I'm thinking, okay, what did he learn and how can I learn it, right? Not to enjoy the trial, but to, to understand that this thing is pushing me towards Christ and I'll be able to learn him and come to know him in a way that I couldn't otherwise, right? And so I think, I think it could be, I think one response that you can get when you even try to answer this question right off the bat is, hey, dude, you've never lost somebody the way I have, right? Or you're talking to somebody with cancer and they're like, hey, you don't have cancer, so you can't respond to this. And so I would say, well, look, let's just point you to a God who inspired these men to write this. And um, I'll just read us a few of them as David, the psalmist, is writing this in Psalm 119. And he says, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. In other words, I used to be doing my own thing. God sent something hard in my life. And because of that, it's pulled me closer to you. So he's thanking God for it. And then we look at a guy like Paul, who was literally shipwrecked and beaten and imprisoned and ends up dying for his faith in Christ. And he says this in Romans 8.18, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Um, and then one, just one more passage in 2 Corinthians 4, he says this, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or temporal, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And so... Um, I would say we don't have a perfect answer in why God allows everything, but I would say one thing is there are these men of God and women of God, and some of you listening who through trials have been pushed closer to Christ. Um, and I think to, to some degree that's every Christian story is God sent something hard in my life and he used that to push me closer to him. Um, and so I would encourage you just run to scripture and run to the testimonies of these guys um, and just pray, okay, God, you show me why. Right? And you teach me what you want to teach me through this. And again, it does not make it easy, but it makes it bearable. Yeah. Right? I would say sometimes sometimes it pushes people closer to Christ, but sometimes people yes. right, can harden their hearts and they're not willing to learn through the hardship because they're so yes. angry at God about it. Yeah. So, And I know that it's easier said than done to say, just run to scripture and you know, just yeah. make sure you're praying and cling to the Lord. That's like an, that's an easy answer. But if you're yes. willing, if yes. you're willing, God will do it every time. I believe that. Yeah. Well, I think right off, right for that, James opens up his, his letter to a bunch of scattered Christians and they're scattered because of persecution. Just imagine that, right? Like your family is running for your life because, because you're stancing in Christ, right? And he says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And then what you just said, he says, and let steadfastness have its full effect, right? So he's not saying enjoy the trials, but he's saying as we look past those, as we let God do what God wants to do, 
God will grow us through this. But you're right. When we go through trials, it's either going to push us into Christ or it's going to push us away from Christ. And that is dependent on our response to it. So that was an awesome point. That verse I was going to, I pulled it up. I was going to read it too. That's a verse that um, a friend of mine sent to me when I was in the midst of a trial. And I share that message that she sent to me in the midst of that trial with so many other people that are going through something similar to what I went through in that season because it encouraged me so much and I was able to hold on to that. And now I'm able to look back at that season and be thankful for it in a really weird way. And like, I wouldn't ask for it again. Like, please don't let me go through that again, Lord. But thankfully I can see that he produced so much growth in me because of that and like no i wouldn't ask for that no i did not enjoy the trial and no i don't want to go through it again in the future but i wouldn't know his nearness like i do right now praise god for the times where we're able to experience his comfort and his love and his compassion on us to not leave us in the midst of that and just say deal with it figure it out but to just leave us with his word and to leave us with the Holy Spirit and with other believers around us. Well, see, I'm I'm exactly with you. I don't think that any, I don't, I've never met a person that would ask for a trial, but it's through the trials that were grown. And so every godly man or woman I've ever met has been a godly man or godly woman that has become that through trials through fires, through hardships, through God, why? And you said this at the very beginning of the podcast, just asking the question of God, why, and wrestling through that. I don't think that's a bad question. I think that's good. But then we need to look for answers and we need to run to Him. Um, And I was just thinking about this earlier, just so simple, like without hardship, right? Or without struggle, there is no growth. Without pain, there is no healing. Without darkness, there's no need for light. Without my weakness, there's no need for his strength. And so we never learn God to be our deliverer unless we're in a time where we need him to deliver us. We never learn him to be our strength unless we feel our weakness, right? And so it just makes me go back to a really old school song that we would sing growing up that I always run back to. It says, if I never had a problem, I'd never know that God could solve them. It's just so simple, but it's just such a reminder that while I'm walking through it, um, that this is pointing me to him if I allow it to. And another point I would make along with this question that we brought up was that we know that God didn't desire, like the other day we had that shooting in Texas Mm. of all of those children. He didn't desire for those children to experience that suffering, but he allowed it. Can you kind of talk about You've taught me a little bit about God's permissive will and his perfect will. Yeah, I think even Christians would differ on how we answer this. But when I'm reading scripture, I see um, that our sovereign God has a perfect will and a permissive will. So perfect will would be what he desires and a permissive will would be what he allows. Right. So I look back to Genesis 3 where Adam and Eve sinned. Um, His perfect will is, no, guys, I want you to follow me and I want to be your satisfaction But his permissive will is, but I will allow you to choose something different than what I want, right? Because I love you and love, again, um, demands a free choice. And so, um, again, we're living in a world to where if God starts to stop every bad thing that's going to happen, 
then in that moment, he changes everything about our world. He stops me whenever I'm about to um, do, say a word that I shouldn't say or throw a punch or whatever, right? He starts taking away my free will, and then it's not humanity anymore, right? And so he's intervening, and we see that through his hand at work. We see that through miracles. We see that as God speaks to people, right? Um, but at the same time, we're living in a broken world, and he's calling us to be lights in that and again, we live with the hope that this world's not our home and one day he does away with it. But man, that that's a very difficult question, um, right? As to why he would allow things like that. And um, there's no easy answer in it. Okay. Um, I'm going to jump down to a question that we were going to do after the next one, but we're going to do this one here because I feel like it flows well. So going along with what you were just talking about is suffering a punishment for a specific sin that somebody has done um what can we say to people saying like what did those children do to deserve that or what did i do to, to deserve this diagnosis or this trial that i'm going through yeah i would i would absolutely not say that that's the case um god sends trials and tribulations on everybody and he allows allows them for everybody and so, no, just because you're walking through something very difficult doesn't mean it's an act of judgment or of punishment. Like some of the godliest, most faithful men and women I've ever met have walked through some of the hardest things I've ever seen, right? Um, and so God allows those things for different reasons. Um, why we can kind of take guesses and kind of look at Scripture and see, okay, here's different ways that He used it. Um, but no, it's not always a punishment. Can it be? Yeah. Um, can God use a hardship to get our attention and kind of convict us of sin? Absolutely. Um, but it's not always that is the case. Yeah. And I think of the story when I was preparing, I was thinking of the story of the man born blind. Um, yes. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Yeah. And so that's another thing that we can hold on to the end of that, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And so yeah. clinging to say, okay, Lord, what are, what are you going to, what good is going to come out of this? What, what would you like to produce in me? What would you yes. like to change in me through this? And God can get glory from the toughest the toughest of situations. And so that's something to cling to, I think. Yeah. Well, everything you said right there, I think is it's God focused and not us focused. And that totally goes against our culture. And our culture says it's all about us and this world's our home, right? And if that's the case, then evil from God does not make sense. God allowing evil doesn't make sense. But when we start looking at it in the perspective of, okay, eternity, heaven is my home. This earth is not, it starts making sense more. And then, like you just said, when we start seeing, okay, the reason I woke up today is not for me and for my happiness, but it's for him and for his glory. And when we see that, everything starts to change. When we start looking at it in the light of it's for him and it's for eternity. Yeah. Could you tell the story uh, that Brother Aubrey told you? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting because if anybody in here is in ministry in any form or fashion, you know that a lot of times whenever you're going to teach on something, God lets you walk through something difficult right before. And um, last year, we were going to take a full week in my classes and just 
get all my students' questions. Look, wherever you're struggling about God and why he would allow things, let's bring them all out. And we want to try to wrestle through them. And um, I'm preparing, I'm having my notes and my scriptures and the weeks leading up to that, God just let us, you know, walk through things. And you had health mm -hmm. issues that were very difficult. And um, so I remember just, I know all the answers. I have them written down, but it doesn't make it any easier. And so I called a pastor friend of mine and I said, look, I know the answers, right? I have the scriptures, but tell me why God is letting this happen. And I, I knew the answers, but I needed to hear it. And um, just his compassion, which is a huge um, factor in answering this question um, meant a lot. But then he started talking about a story. He said, he said, well, look, we had um, this family in our community that were not believers, right? And they wouldn't step foot in a church. And, um, you know, there's people like that. He said, but they had a little boy and we ended up getting really close to the little boy. And um, the parents would let him to come to church with us and we'd hang out with him. And the sweetest little boy, but he, he had a heart issue um, physically. Um, his heart would start beating really fast. And um, he said the little boy came to know Jesus and he wanted his family to know Jesus, but they weren't interested. And one day the little boy is riding a four-wheeler and he just got so excited that his heart started beating so fast that he he died right there. Um, and this pastor was telling me, he's like, look, that was one of the hardest things we've ever walked through. We cared for that young man and um, we loved him. He said, but the beauty was through that, his family all ended up walking in the church doors. They all ended up over the next few weeks and months giving their life to Christ and even just diving in the ministry and God using them to point other people to Christ now. And so the question, can God use hardships, right? Can he use trials for good? And I think the answer is yes, very much yes, right? We've looked at some scriptures of that, but um, I'm just thinking in my own life and the lives of those around me, how can God use trials? He can use them to get my attention. He can use them um, to show me areas in my life that aren't right. He can use them to cause me to depend on him. He can use them to break down pride. He can use them to reach areas of my heart that can only be reached through suffering. God can use trials to show me that he is my strength, my fortress, my help, my deliverer, and my best friend. He can use them to teach me something that I'll need to know for down the road and to prepare me for something down the road. And then something you said earlier, he can use trials in our life to teach us something because one day somebody else is going to walk into our path and he's going to use us to be the one to teach them, right? Um, he can use it to grow us. He can use it to glorify his name. Um, and as I remain or you remain steadfast through trials, like James 1 says, that he can grow us. He can make us more like him and that even the, the world around us um, can be drawn to Christ, like in this situation, can be drawn to Christ through our trials and through our hardships. And so, um, I also come back to a quote C.S. Lewis said that is just, I think, just nails it. He says, God whispers to us in our pleasure, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. In other words, it's through pain that we hear God's voice the clearest, right? And I think so many of us can attest to the fact that that has been so true in our own lives. Okay, so... Here's a hard question for you. I didn't have planned. So nice. what if a skeptic asked you, how can you say, like, why would a loving God want to get glory out of something like hmm. a mass shooting or cancer? Why would he want to get glory out of that? Well, what would you say to somebody who's that, not a believer? 
Yeah, great question. And I appreciate that right off the cuff, not being prepared for that thing. So you can do that because you're my <laughs> wife. Um, I think, again, that goes back to, okay, God, that was not God's plan. God was not sitting there putting that in the heart of a shooter to go in and do something as horrible as that or whatever it is. God's not ever trying to put an evil thought in our minds for us to go execute. And the opposite, he's always wooing us to himself and calling us to to live in his way but through that can he still use that for his glory yes so was god ordaining and setting that up and wanting something terrible to happen no but through that can god come in and will god come in and hold hearts and hold people in his hand and make himself known to people and use something terrible for good yes does that answer the question okay but like how I think just like the story with that boy, I think we can see people turning to Christ. Or I think I always go back to Genesis um, where we have a guy named Joseph and Joseph has a bunch of brothers, right? And life is good and Joseph is dad's favorite and everything's great. And the other brothers don't like him because of that, right? So they end up beating him up. They end up um, acting like he's dead and selling that story to dad and selling him into slavery into Egypt. And so Joseph gets there. He's a young man. He doesn't have a Bible with him. He doesn't have mom and dad with him to point him to scripture. And he doesn't have Paul or these guys to look back as examples. But he remains faithful to God. And as a slave, he works his tail off. He gets promoted. And man, God, I'm following you. And it's not great, but it's getting better. And then He stands faithful for God again, gets lied about and gets thrown in prison. And it's like, man, God, he's he's doing everything right, but everything wrong is happening to him. And it's not till the end of the story where we see a major famine comes in. God uses him in one day to go from prison to the palace to where he's the one giving advice to Pharaoh, who's the mightiest king in the land, right, of the day. And in one day, God uses him to go from the prison to the palace, that God uses him to end up saving a nation from famine, but ends up his brother, his family comes back and um, they have this beautiful reconnection. And at the end of the book of Genesis, he looks his brothers in the eyes, the ones that have hurt him so bad. And he says, what you meant for evil, God used for good, right? And so I think just again, understanding we're living in a broken world, God's not going to always stop someone from pulling a tr- pulling the trigger. God's not going to always stop the bad things because if he stops all of those things, he's taking away our free will. And if he does that, it's not the humanity anymore that he set up. One day he's going to put an end to this. But right now he's he's not. Right now he's walking with us through it. So can God use this to point someone to him for a family member that's walking through something difficult? who would never have considered God before, caused them in their brokenness to run to Christ and God saved them eternally? Yes. Again, is it an easy answer? No. Um, But can he use it for his glory and his good and to rescue souls? Yes. Okay. Appreciate you answering that one on the fly. (laughs) I'm a fun fact. I'm always grilling Will with like skeptic questions. I'm not a skeptic, but I'm always like asking him the hard questions. It is always harder to answer you than anyone else. It's easier to answer students or strangers, but my wife always. I know how to grill you. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. All right. Okay. We'll move on to the question that we skipped. We're going to come back to it. Um, 
So why didn't he answer my prayer? If he hears me, he knows me and he listens to me. That's a common question that I've asked, honestly. Yeah. And you have written down the Matthew 7 passage. You want to read that one? Mm-hmm. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, who will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? If that scripture's true, why didn't he answer? Yeah, that's tough. That's one that I think that passage and then John 14, 14, which they're both Jesus speaking. And Jesus says, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. Um, I think that that was, in a sense, the basis of one of the toughest trials in my life so far. It's just a big faith test, right? It's, okay, God, you tell me to follow you. I'm doing that. Okay, God, you tell me to pray. I'm doing that. And you're not answering. Um, and so I really wrestled with that for a long time. But I think understanding God is not a genie in a bottle. Matt Chandler said it like this. He said, God is not a genie in a bottle and you are not Aladdin. In other words, I don't get to just write out all the plans and God come behind me and have to check those off, right? And so I think the whole point of this passage is, I want you to depend on me. I'm a good father. I will answer, but understand, sometimes my answer is gonna be no. Sometimes the best answer I could tell you is not yet or not in that way. In Isaiah 55, God says this, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declare the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so I go back to my own life I was just talking about. I would say these prayers, really believe them, and think because I said them and I believed them, you have to do it. But I was praying my will and not his. Right. So John 14, we just read it. Jesus in 14, 14, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. But the very the verse right before it says, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do that the father may be glorified in the son. So he starts showing us, okay, what's the reason that you're praying? Is it for your will or for my will? Is it for your glory or my glory? And the same guy that's writing this writes in first John five. And I think this is the verse that really tied it all together for me. John's writing this and he says, this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And so that stopped me in my tracks. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I've been upset with God for not answering my plans, but I haven't asked him once what his plan is, right? So not us trying to change God, but allowing God to change us and say, okay, God, show me what your will is. Give me a desire for your will and then help me pray for it, right? And sometimes God does it exactly the way we want, but usually not, right? He's a God that is higher and greater. And so um, I think also sitting back and saying, okay, no idea what you're doing right now, but I know that you're good and I know that you love me and I know that you're faithful. You can't lie and you've never made a mistake. And so there's a lot we don't know, but I'm going to hold to what I do know. And I know that you've got this. And I know that you're good and I know you're on your throne. And so that's a conversation that's going through my head every time I'm having a trial, or at least hopefully, is God, I'm, I'm holding to what I know. Right. Mm -hmm. 
somebody's gonna have to point us back to this podcast to come to next yes. time we go through a, a trial to stand on what we know and not what we're feeling in the moment because we're saying mm-hmm. these things right now but yeah and they're easy to say right now because we're not currently in a trial but yes like well said however long ago that was that we went through that trial of like mm-hmm. my health stuff it's just like it would not have been easy for us to do this podcast but we're so clouded in the midst of our judgment is so clouded in the midst of hard things. I think it's harder to speak to that sometimes. Like sometimes we can speak more clearly, I think, in the midst yeah. of a trial, but sometimes it clouds our judgment. It's a lot harder to, you know, practice what we preach. I do want to add one last quote, and this is one that has helped me and has helped students of mine before, because I think every every one of us could picture, okay, if I, if I was God for a day, what would I change, right? And this old priest said it like this, um, basically said, if I had God's power for one day, you'd see how many things I would change. But if I also had his wisdom, I would leave everything just the way it is, right? And so I think just one encouragement to everyone in this, and just like Addie just said, um, one encouragement is, look, if I go through a trial tomorrow, I'm going to be asking all these questions all over again. But hopefully you and I and all of us We'll just stand, like you said, not on our feelings, but on what we know to be true through his word. Either he's good and he's loving and he knows everything or he's not. And if he is, then I can cling to him and know that he's clinging to me. Um, And so that's a beautiful truth that I hope we all hold on to. If we could sum up what we talked about here in this episode, I would maybe say God didn't create us like robots. He didn't desire for this world to be as broken as it is yet it is because he didn't make us like robots so praise god that he gives us a choice to love him or to not also he does answer prayer but it's not always in the way that we expect or want or understand or can fathom but he is good and he's all-knowing and he's all-powerful and he's all-loving and he answers in his perfect way every time. God does care. He's near to the brokenhearted. He doesn't leave us to just figure all of this stuff out by ourselves. He doesn't just leave off these families who are grieving. He doesn't leave us as individuals to just grieve on our own. He wants us to run to him and to turn to him in the midst of our affliction and our trials. And he knows how to use it to make us more Christ-like and to get glory from that and to produce steadfastness in us and character and hope in us. And suffering is not always a punishment for a specific sin we've done. Like sometimes bad things happen when we don't necessarily do anything specific to deserve that. But ultimately, we're all suffering in the midst of this broken world in some way in different seasons and different times in some way we're all suffering as a result of sin entering this world but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's because we deserve that specific harsh gruesome trial it sometimes just means that it's just a general result of sin in the world not necessarily a a result of my specific sin but sometimes it is and last point stand on what you know and not on what you feel um, stand on God's word. Pastor Steve always says, if, it, if it's true, then it's always true. And I'm convinced that it is. 
And so I can stand. And he's proven himself faithful, right? And so if you are a believer, um, I would just encourage you, whenever you're struggling, look back at times that he's been faithful to you before and cling to those, right? And if you're going through something right now, um, run to him and run to his word because one day you're going to be able to cling to this and know, okay, he brought me through and he was faithful. If you're listening on Spotify, don't forget to hit that little bell so that you can be notified for new episodes. And if you're listening on Apple, you can hit those three little dots, hit subscribe to be notified for new episodes there. And if you enjoy listening to the What Then podcast, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes.